Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 15, beginning at the 29th verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. After Jesus had left that place, he passed along the Sea of Galilee, and he went up the mountain where he sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the maimed, the blind, the mute, and the many others. They put them at his feet, and he cured them, so that the crowd was amazed. When they saw the mute speaking, the maim whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for the crowd because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat and I do not want to send them away hungry for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in the desert to feed such a great crowd? Jesus asked them, How many loaves have you? They said, Seven, and a few small fish. Then ordering the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and after giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all of them ate and were filled and they took up the broken pieces left over seven baskets full this is the gospel of the lord praise to you lord jesus christ may what i share be in the name of god father son and holy spirit amen would you please be seated This is one of the feeding miracles as they are known um, in, uh, in the Gospels. And they can be confusing because there's different numbers of people who get fed at different times and in different ways and there's different numbers of baskets full at the end. And so some scholars seem to think that it was just the one thing that happened and then people have interpreted differently. Uh, but again, I think and as I've said this um, to you before, that I think that it's not a surprise that there are similarities in Jesus' teaching uh, and subtle differences from time to time because Jesus was meeting people as they were and he was sharing the gospel of, of God in different ways. And it's not surprising that similar things happened at different locations at different times. That's my personal take on it. But as I was reading uh, through this passage, I couldn't be, help but be reminded of my sister, which might seem a bit strange because um, it was a little, uh, little passage where I read, for they might faint on the way. My sister um, was planning to come um, down on uh, Sunday morning uh, to, uh, to visit us and uh, Leanne got a text message uh, while we were at church, actually on Sunday, I've just fainted. 
Um, so I'm not sure if I'll, I'll make it. And so Leanne, of course, hurriedly back saying, just stay, don't, don't come if you're not well, don't drive with the girls in the car. My sister did come <laughs> and she is at our place at the moment. Uh, but after I talked with her about how stupid are you driving after you've just fainted, she did say that she had time just to be at home, settle, realise what probably made her faint and then was okay. I'm still not sure that she should have actually driven down from Toowoomba, but hey, that's maybe just the big brother talking. Um, but it made me think about this passage a little differently because I think as I, I read it, thinking about my sister is that it can be a bit of an analogy for us gathering together as community. All of us in different ways, I'm sure, have found this year and the way that we've worshipped and gathered challenging. There was a time when we couldn't gather at all, other than a couple of us in here with a camera and recording and other than you sitting at home with whoever you live with. And for many of you, that's just yourself and the power of the Holy Spirit around you. And I think it has, well, for me at least, it has shifted my perspective on the power of when we gather and how we gather. I certainly have been one of those people who have, in my own way, been critical of others. Well, if you're not coming in the building, you're not really at church. And I've tried to say that in more polite ways at different times, but that's probably the bluntness of what I meant. Well, unless I see you on Wednesday or on Sunday or some other time, then you're not really at church. And if you're not really at church, are you really a Christian? Well, I think all of that has been rattled around a bit this year. And I guess I have had a greater appreciation, particularly myself, of having to feed myself online uh, at, at the reality of the way that many of people in society, because of lots of different things, because of mobilisation issues, because of family pressures, because of work commitments, find gathering really, really hard. But I wonder whether the imagery of somebody fainting without being fed is something that we should take notice of. Because for me, in a way, coming together for worship is a time of feeding, nourishing my soul, seeing that I might be able to read scripture or hear prayers or pray prayers or sing songs that I probably wouldn't choose for myself if I had, I guess, that, that idea of, oh, oh well, I think I'll choose from this passage, passage over there or this passage over there. When we gather as community, whether that be physically or online, I think something about the structure of worship because we don't choose it all. And even me, myself, I didn't choose this passage today. Um, I didn't choose the liturgy that we're using. 
Um, it's been passed down from the wisdom of uh, the saints before me uh, in the Anglican Church as saying that this is the right passage to be reading at this time of year. I think if we can see as we gather together as the Church of God for worship, whether that be in a physical space or in a more creative way as we've been forced to this year, it can do something very powerful. It can feed us. It can rest us. And it can reframe us. Because the other element of this passage where the miracle is, is also something that I find in worship. That, and it's also something that I've heard plenty of times in this season. Um, and as we approach Christmas, I'm starting to hear some chatter and banter in, in the wider community of, ah, oh, Christmas will be tight this year. I'm not sure if we've got enough. We might need to cut back on different elements or, hey, let's just throw caution to the wind and uh, I'm not sure if we'll have enough in January, but hey, it's Christmas and let's just, let's just be bold and brash. But I, I'm hearing people think about this time of year and whether we have enough and whether we'll be able to do Christmas in an appropriate way. But then I see how Jesus sees the world. When we ask ourselves, do we have enough? We look at our bank balance, we look at our cupboard and we look at our immediate surrounds. When Jesus is asked, is there enough? He looks at the community gathered. And yes, I do believe that there was something supernatural in the multiplication of the bread in that space. I, I, I don't buy the argument that people actually um, were hiding and stashing stuff away because they, they were there for three days. They would have eaten what they had by that time. So I do think that there was something supernatural in that. But when Jesus looks out at the community and gathered, he doesn't see scarcity. He sees more than an abundance. And I don't think there's any mistake that there's seven baskets full after the end of this miracle. Because seven is the number of completion. So when Jesus sees the gathered people, he sees a completion and an abundance. He doesn't see hungry, scarce, um, with no gifts, no, no resources to spread around. What he sees as we gather together, nourished by the word, nourished by the liturgy, nourished by the sacraments, is a group of people who have an abundance to share. And in that act of gathering together, and it's why I do encourage those who are still not gathering in any way to start to think creatively about how they can gather, even if that is just with one or two other people in the safety of their own homes even if it is 
knowing that at the same time worship is happening there, they've got their prayer book open and they're praying the same prayers that we're praying. Because when we gather, and as it says in another part of uh, this good book, it only takes two or three of us to gather together and, and God's there with us. Then miracles happen. I wonder as we approach this season, this season of the miraculous, where the world outside the church starts to believe in things like magic, whether we can actually take the time to remind ourselves of what we actually believe in. Because we don't believe in magic, we believe in miracles. And we believe in a God who looks out at his gathered people and sees the miracle in us. I wonder as we approach this Christmas season with our Advent reflectiveness and expectation and hope and peace and joy and love, whether we might be so bold as to think that God sees our gathered communities as the miracle from which there will be a completion and an abundance. Amen.